Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. So when Sam asked me if I would... I'm not sure if he asked or told, actually. Um, When he asked me if I would share with you this morning, my very first response was, but I have mum brain and I haven't spoken in front of a microphone in over four years. And I was very reluctant. And so in that four years, we have been very busy um, having three beautiful children. And so there is our children out there. So I have three beautiful reasons that I get to celebrate today. And that's um, our kids there. So Zach is five and he's just started school this year. And man, has that changed everything. That's a whole new experience. Um, And then beautiful Adele, who is three and asks a lot of questions of why. And I'm trying to work out how to see the world in a three-year-old's eyes and how she's not being rude, but she's trying to work out how the world works. And then Chelsea, who turns two, can you believe that, Um, in like a week and a bit. And She is very different to the other two. The other two are a little bit more, well, somewhat compliant. Like when you say, we don't touch this or we don't do that, they seem to get that. But Chelsea, on the other hand, is like, I get that that's for the children, but I'm an adult, so I will do everything that you do. So that's our three um, beautiful children there. And I just want to take this moment, because I don't actually get to speak all that often to you, that over the last four years that I have been doing my mothering duties, I just want to say a really big thank you to you all that um, as Sam took this new role and this new position, that you have all been extremely loving and caring and kind to us. You have loved our kids so beautifully and you are very inclusive and kind of them. So I just want to say a really big thank you and to encourage you to keep praying for us. We're still learning what we're doing and trying to work out how it all fits in with our growing family and building church and building family and how that all works together. So please keep praying for us. I know it's a journey for you guys as well because um, your predecessor didn't have um, small children and I'm sure that that's a big change for you guys as well. So yeah, keep praying for us and thank you so much for your love and care. And um, this morning, Sam and I got to swap jobs a little bit. I'm not sure if in your household you have the same conversations we have, which is like, my life is harder if only you could understand what it's like to do my job. I'm sure no one else has that conversation. Um, But we definitely have had that. And so this morning, we kind of got a little bit of a glimpse of each other's worlds. And for those of you that know Sam, on a Sunday morning, he doesn't just stay at home and help look after the kids and help us get to church. He goes to um, Circular Quay and goes on a prayer walk. And he not only prays for the people of Sydney and for our city, but he particularly prays for you guys and for his heart and um, what he's going to share with you this morning. And if you are wondering if I got the same opportunity this morning... Well, unfortunately, it was raining, so I didn't get the same opportunity, but I did get to go down to, um, I think it's Blues Point, and sit in my car without getting wet, because of the hair, and, um, <laughs> and pray for you guys this morning, and pray for myself, and I really do feel like um, the message that I get to share with you this morning is not something that I'm trying to teach you, but that God is actually trying to teach me. So would you come along on the journey with me this morning? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that, um, that you love us so very much, Father God. 
Lord, we thank you that you are a God that wants to see us continuously changed and transformed, Father God. We thank you that you don't want to leave us where you are, but you want us to continuously grow and to continuously fall more and more in love with you. And this morning, Father, as we hear from your word, as we look at your word this morning, God, I pray that our hearts will be open, our eyes will be open, but Father, that we will not leave this place changed. In your son's precious name, amen. amen. <sighs> so I absolutely love structure and organisation and routine. And as a mum of three small children and a husband, I have learnt that that is not how... <laughs> life actually looks. So in our household, I love structure and routine and I try and set it up as much as I can, but unfortunately it's not the way that it goes. But there is one area in our life, in our family life, that I'm very much, it will be this way and it will not change. And that is bedtime. So I'm sure we're not the only family and I'm sure you've all been on this journey if you've um, had kids, is that bedtime goes like this, dinner, bath, book, bed. And it doesn't really change unless there's some obscure reason. It's always dinner, bath, book, bed. And as I said, as Zach has started school, the book part has become quite different. We've now got readers, sight words, library books, and it's changed a little bit about how we do it. But there is one thing, and particularly Zach, that won't let us ever change, and that is reading the Bible. Got a blessed little five-year-old that keeps you on track, telling you. And he won't let us miss one night of reading the Bible. And as a family, we read it together in Zach's bedroom. And as we've been reading it, we've been reading about Jesus and his disciples. And as we're reading it, Adele goes to me and she's like, why are they all boys? Where are the girls? And I was like, what? And Adele's like, why are they all boys? Where are the girls? And after I got over the shock of quite a profound and a very Adele question, I did think to myself, where are all the girls? Why are they all boys? Where are the mums? Where are the sisters? Where are the wives? Have you guys ever noticed that? Have you ever thought to yourself, where are the girls? It takes a three-year-old, doesn't it? See, Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, which Annie read so beautifully for us and is actually one of my most favourite verses, is a great commission and it says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. It's not only one of my absolute favourite verses, it's actually what I believe that God has called me to do, to be a disciple maker, not just me but for all of us. But in that moment when Adele asked me that question, I honestly thought, have I actually got this all wrong? Is disciples and disciple making actually only for the boys and for the men? Or was it actually for girls? Where were the girls? Had I misinterpreted what I felt like God was saying to me? You know what? I'm sure we've all had moments like that in our life where we're, something that we believe, um, we get have this moment and go, actually, did I get that wrong? And can I just say this morning, if that's anywhere you are on your faith journey. I think God loves it when we have a moment where we go, did I get that wrong? But he loves it if we follow through with looking at it, studying it and finding out what he really says about it. So if you are doubting anything, make sure that you lean in and study and find out what it really means. And so that is what I did. I got a trusty pink highlighter. Have you all got your pink highlighters? got my trusty pink highlighter, and I started highlighting in my Bible not only where I saw Jesus encounter women, 
but where I also saw him include them in discipleship and see them helping to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. You see, they weren't just hearing, but they were actually doing. And as this new colour entered my Bible, a few key observations came to light. And I think that it's not only important for me to understand this, I actually think that it's important for all of us to understand this. And one of the pivotal verses that I came to in my highlighting my Bible and changing the colour was Luke 8 verses 1 to 3. So to put it in context, before this, Jesus had just come down from the mountain with the 12 and he was entering to a special leadership time just before he sends them out. So this, happen- this particular passage happens during that special training time of where he is discipling. And the first thing that I think that we notice from this passage is that Jesus is countercultural. See, at this time in history, Sirach, which is an influential Jewish scribe who significantly shaped Jewish um, thoughts and what they thought, he said this about women. Women give rise to shame and reproach. You should never sit down with a woman. Do not put yourselves in a woman's hands or she may come to dominate you completely. So men believed at this point that women should not, shouldn't be heard, let alone seen. But then we see that Jesus is completely countercultural in this, in how he loves women. But his heart, it wasn't just his heart or how he valued women that was different. It was how he stopped for them. It was how he spoke to them. It was how he listened to them and how he defended them. That was not how a man was to treat a woman back then. Isn't it amazing to see someone's love, care, inclusion without hesitation? You know what? It may not just be for women that have felt left out. You may have felt that in your own life. You may have felt that you were on the outer, that people shouldn't speak to you, that people don't want to associate with you. And you need to know this morning that Jesus is radically inclusive. He isn't just loving and kind, but he's radically inclusive in his loving and kindness. So let's look again at the reading this morning. Should come up on the slide. Yeah. So after this, Jesus travelled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases, Mary from Magdalene, from whom several demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of, oh goodness, she's, yeah, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. So these women just weren't um, hanging around and just hoping that they get included and invited. Um, This text specifically says that they were invited and travelling around with them. For them to be travelling around with Jesus and to be included with that and to be helping out of their own means means that Jesus needed to invite them to participate. And you also notice that they are not there for a token appearance. See, Jesus' discipleship is not equal opportunity. It is rather an opportunity for equals. It's not equal opportunity. It is an opportunity for equals. They weren't just token girls coming along. You know, in this day and age, unfortunately, we say we need 12 
people on this board, we've got to make sure two of them are women. And they're not there because of their credentials. They're there because of the token women. And God's not like that. Jesus isn't like that in this. Because if they were token, then can you explain to me why two of those three women were actually the ones that helped share that Jesus had risen from the grave? Let me show you this. In Luke 24, verse 9 to 10, it says, When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11, that's the 11 disciples, and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, see the two there, and Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told them to the apostles. So those two same women from that verse in Luke were also used again to share that Jesus had raised from the dead. And you might be thinking, well, maybe it was just those two women Maybe it was just those two women that were used again. Yep, great. But let me tell you that there is multiple and multiple times in here where Jesus purposely uses women. Let me share a few examples with you. Simon's mother-in-law, she was healed and then she served. The woman who had the issue with blood, she was healed and then she shared about that healing. The widow of Nain. She had an only son and she was obviously a widow and Jesus healed him. And because of that, Jesus' works were spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countries because of her testimony. The sinful woman who anointed Jesus, she heard about him and then she followed through with serving and loving others. The Samaritan woman, one of my favourite, the Samaritan woman at the well, where she shared about what Jesus had done for her and what Jesus had given her, living water, and others came to know him. See, equal opportunity, not opportunity. I mean, yeah, not equal opportunity, but opportunity for equals. So where were the girls? Where were they? Can you see where they were? They're actually right there. They weren't on the sidelines observing, just thinking it was great just to hobble along. They were actually very much participants in Jesus' ministry and in his disciple-making. And the truth of that is God has always and will always use women to further and continue his kingdom. Can't wait to be able to tell Adele that and be like, let's look through the Bible about how Jesus has used women. But it's really important that we um, don't take this as a, just a woman-empowering moment. It's actually important that we get this truth, that Jesus making disciples and who he chooses to further his kingdom actually has nothing to do whether you're a boy or a girl. It's got nothing to do with whether you're a male or a female, but it's actually only got to do with him. It's not about us and who we are, but it is all about who he is. And you know what? This actually clicks for Paul. You might think that's a bit random, but for Paul, um, when you look back at his life, you might not have thought that he would be the most inclusive or um, loving towards women, but he got this in Galatians 3, 26, verse 28, and I'd love to read it for you this morning. It says this, You are all children of God, through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. Opportunity for equals. So it isn't about who we are. It isn't about whether you're a male or female. Discipleship isn't about whether or not you have money or you do not money have money. It doesn't matter 
It isn't about what you do. It's all about him and him making us more like him. Oh, there it goes. Trusty pink highlighter. Don't lose it. So what does that mean for us? It's really great to hear um, what God says in his word, but what does it actually mean for us in our everyday life? I think for me, for over the last four years, um, I've been a mum for five years, but after Zach, I did come back into work and then we had Adele and I didn't come back in to work. But for me, for the last four years, if you know me, you would know that this is no secret, but I have cried out to God multiple and multiple and multiple times, asking him, who am I? Who have you created to be? Am I just Sam's wife? Am I just Zach Adele and Chelsea's mum? Or who am I? And there's been other times in which I've cried out to God, have you forgotten about me? Am I just sitting on the sidelines, just waiting and watching and thinking it's great to be a part of it and just sitting along? But who have you called me to be? Have you forgotten me? You know what? I don't think that's just for mums, and I'm sure many of us mums have felt that along the journey. But I know that it's not just for mums. I'm sure many of us in our life have felt that. God, who am I, and have you forgotten me? Because if you live long enough, you will experience both good things, like motherhood, and tragic things that provide us an opportunity or can cause us to wander from, God, from who God has called us to be, from who he has said that we are. And along this journey, I'm only starting to realise, and I don't get it right all the time, and I don't remember it all the time, so remind me, but I'm learning that I've actually let my motherhood overwhelm his fatherhood. I've let my motherhood overwhelm his fatherhood. See, I was seeing myself only as Sam's wife, only as Zach, Adele and Chelsea's mum. If you didn't know, Zach, Adele and Chelsea actually spell Zach, if you do all their initials in order. <laughs> Easy for you to remember. Um, I see myself as Sam's wife, Zach and Adele and Chelsea's mum, as a sister, as a friend, as a pastor's wife, as a cook, as a homework expert, not really, as a chauffeur, as all of the multiple things that we do. I'll see myself as that. But God said to me, Kristen, you are those things, but you are first my child. You are my disciple first, and then you are those things. You are my child first, and then you are those things. And for some of us, I'm sure that we may be in the same, in the same spot that I am in and still trying to work out, in which we let the circumstances of our life, whether that be single, whether that be childless, whether that be divorcee, whether that be widow, whether that be an accountant, whether that be can be good or bad. We let those things overwhelm his fatherhood. We forget that we are his child first. So you might need to be reminded that you are God's child first and everything else second. Another thing that I've been learning on this journey is um, what discipleship actually means. So if I believe that my calling is the Great Commission, which is also all of your calling if you believe in Jesus, is to make disciples, then I needed to understand what actually discipleship looked like. And I believe that discipleship is first to love and then lead those who God brings into our lives. 
And who has God brought into my life? Three beautiful and precious children. And so I need to be reminded, and maybe many of you mums this morning also need to be reminded, and fathers and grandparents and spiritual grandparents and aunties and uncles and mums and dads, that the people that you've brought into your life is those that are right in front of you. And mine are my three children. And so we need to see mum as a discipleship role. We need to also see who God might be bringing into, our, into your own lives. It might be new employees. It might be new connections. It might be new friends. It might be the family members that you've already got. I want you to take your trusty pink highlighter, and you might not have a piece of paper, so we might need to think creatively about writing it in your phone. But I want you to take a moment right now to think about who God has brought into your life, who is right in front of you, that God is calling you to love and lead to be more like Christ. Take a moment and write it down or type it in your phone. For me, I'm reminded that it's my three precious children that I get an opportunity to love and to lead to be more like Christ. Another challenge for us from this um, look at the first female disciples, which I will call those women, the first female disciples, is that Jesus was radically inclusive. Radically inclusive. He was counterculture in how he loved and he included. And if that is what Jesus has modelled for us, then are we loving and leading people as radically inclusive as Jesus is? If I asked you to tell me what John 3.16 said, you would all say that he gave his only son, so whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Great job, class. Um, That is the gospel summed up right there. It's a verse that we all know so easily, but sometimes we forget. And it does not say, man or woman, rich or poor, it says, I have come so that the world, I've, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, so whoever believes in him. If God makes no distinction about who he is to love and to lead, then we too need to make no distinction about who we love and who we lead. So how can we respond to loving those that we wouldn't include easily in our lives? How do we do that? It's called getting out of your comfort zone. And to have the eyes of Jesus, the eyes of Jesus that loves no matter what and loves all. One thing that I really love about our denomination, if you don't know, Northside is a part of um, Churches of Christ denomination. And one of the reasons why I also love our church is I love that we have female elders and we have female preachers and female pastors. And we don't do that for the tokenism. We do that because they are the people that we believe that God has called to be in those positions. It's not because we've thrown the Bible out of the window and thought, oh, let's just do it our own way. It's because we want to lead like Jesus led and he was inclusive with women. 
Not equal opportunity, but opportunity for equals. See, one of our core values at church, which I love and I think is in the newsletter this month, is that we accept people for who they are, helping them to be all who God has designed them to be. We accept people for who they are, where they are, and we try and help them to be all that God has designed them to be. We don't just say that to sound nice. We're not just trying to have a good cliche saying, we're doing this because we see that Jesus did that and we believe that that is biblical. And this is a message about um, how we can be good disciples, how we can love and lead those that are in front of us and how we see ourselves. But I also think it's really important to know that we as a church and as Christians we have an opportunity to, sorry, the mum brain. That was the longest thought I've probably had in a very long time <laughs> that hasn't been interrupted by a little person. And generally, if you knew what went in my brain, it goes from one thing to the other to the other thing and there's never ever a complete thought. So, <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, I think that we as a church and as Christians, we have an opportunity to meet the need and the yearning of all hearts out there, which is for love, compassion and equality. And yes, there is a place for the political world of it, and this is not a political statement, but this is about how we look at Jesus's life and see how he loved and included, how he loved and accepted, how he gave opportunity to all people, how he includes all people. I unfortunately don't think this will be the last time that Adele might ask me about where all the children are. I mean, where all the girls are. She's a child. Where all the girls are, as you can see, brain. Um, where are all the girls? I unfortunately don't think that she um, will live in a world yet where girls are given opportunity for equals, not equal opportunity. But I love that when she looks at our church and when she looks at the heart of Jesus that she will see that. I love when she looks at our church that she will see people like Amber, people like Wendy and people like Anne who serve out of their love for God. I love that she will also see not just women, but she'll see men like Sam's and David's and Michael's who live with a countercultural tenderness born only from the Spirit of God. It's pretty cool, hey, that we have a church like that. But this is not new. This is not something that our church has come up with. This happened many, many, many years ago, and Jesus was the first one to show us that. So this morning, I want you to take your pink. Everyone hold up your pink highlighter if you've got it there. I want you to take your pink highlighter, and you might want to highlight your Bible, or you may not. That's okay. But I want you to be reminded when you see this pink highlighter, who am I? Am I seeing myself as God's child first? Who am I discipling? Who am I loving and leading? And am I being radically inclusive? Am I giving opportunities for equal? Let's pray this morning. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.